Hello and welcome to episode 110 of the Good Good Golf Podcast. Rod Murray out of the starter's hut and back at the controls as we return to what passes for normal programming around here, wading into the parts of the golf world where others fear to tread. A big week for Australian golf fans, obviously, with the stunning win of Minji Lee at the US Women's Open. We'll talk about that, but I fear that like many others in the golf world, much of today's discussion will be derailed by the Live Golf Sideshow as they prepare to play their first tournament in London. On site for that is friend of the pod and one of the best golf riders in the business, John Huggin. He'll join us to chat all things golf in just a moment. Before that, however, it's hello to my co-host, Adrian Logue, who would have been impressed by the paths at Pine Needles, no doubt, but even more so, I would imagine, by Minji Lee's performance. What a show that was. It, it was magnificent. Um, great day in Australian golf yesterday. And, uh, yeah, very Minji, Minji Lee's now won as many majors as Greg Norman, which I think is... <laughs> sort of fitting, isn't it, given that... <laughs> But that her extraordinary performance has been overtaken by happenings in London. And, of course, just in the last couple of hours, Phil Mickelson, to date when we're recording this, has announced that he'll be teeing it up. So the entire golf world has gone mad. Let's go to the London studios of Good Good, where we find one of the game's best writers and commentators, John Huggin, who, despite now being a popular podcast host on The Thing About Golf, managed to leave home without his microphone. Huggy, what's going on? That's like leaving your laptop behind, mate. We can't have this. Uh, all I can see is that I'm getting old, very, very old. <laughs> None of us are getting any younger. Uh, let's start quickly with the circus, then we'll talk about the US Women's Open, then we'll come back to Mickelson and the live golf thing, I think. Huggy, uh, did you get to watch much of Pine Needles, Minji Lee, the US Women's Open, and what were your thoughts, and how was it received outside Australia? We, of course, get the skewed view here, and Australian won it, so we've gone crazy about it. How was it viewed outside Australia? Um, well, I would imagine quite positively. I mean, it was on, it was late, very late last night, uh, UK time when, when Minji Lee won. And I've spent the last, well, nine hours today uh, sitting in a car. Um, so I haven't really been aware of what's going on in the world. But um, yeah, I mean, she's, my goodness, she's a beautiful golfer, isn't she? My really beautiful is. way she played. I mean, it just, there was never in doubt. I mean, the to that was an object lesson in how to, control things when you've got a lead in the last 18 holes of a major it was just uh it was beautiful to watch just but, hit good golf shots uh, but, exactly just one that'll, that'll get the, the job other, done after the other huggy those big leads in tournaments like that you sit on the outside and say oh well she's got it in the bag lots of people would have been thinking that it's the it's the most uncomfortable place to be for the players isn't it because do you be defensive do you attack how do you how do you stay in front with all of that pressure that's more impressive i think than winning from one in front or tied going to the last round. or that, That's extraordinary to do what she did under those circumstances. Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, if you're five ahead or whatever um, and you win, you almost don't get the credit you deserve for yeah. winning um, because every week is, well, yeah, you, we've had 24 hours to think about, yeah, you, you're going to win and so what? But if you lose, I mean, as your compatriot Greg Norman can attest uh, over and over, it's uh, it lives with you forever. Yeah. I mean, it's just part of your... You know, it's the first paragraph in the first paragraph of your orbit, almost. M Michael, yeah, Lowell, Big you, Norman screwed up at yeah, Augusta. That's exactly. Mm -hmm. That's your first sentence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah more more than uh, more than once. Was it Michael Owen used to? He was a fabulous golfer, Michael Owen in the states. I think he was on. He said the very worst place to be in any golf match is four up with five to play. Mm. Nothing good can happen when you're four up with five to play because it's uh, yeah. it's just about. To, what was your take? Like, I imagine you would have been watching. I thought the the course was fantastic. Mm -hmm. It elevates. 
as does the courses they're now using for the KPMG PGA, Women's PGA Championship, elevates the women's game and the tournaments. I thought Pine Needles was a superb venue. Yeah, it really was. Um, it, and it it proved a true test on the final day as well. Yeah, very much. Two rounds under par Yeah, yeah. on the final day, it, just two. So we got to see a, a lot of different golf there. We got to see some quite attacking golf in the first couple of days. It was a little bit softer and then it built up. complaints about that early on. This isn't a US Open. What's going on? Yeah, but, you know, we'd want to see a little bit of scoring and uh, the best shot maker was rewarded. And, and I think probably arguably the best golfer in the world at the moment. She's um, Make the case, couldn't you? Literally, even with the strokes gain categories on approach, she's in the top five, I think, in every distance category compared to the men and winning some categories. <laughs> the, the only knock I think you could make on the whole week, Huggy, if you were to make any sort of a complaint, was that it wasn't closer at the end. It would have been fabulous to see Lydia Ko, Jin Young Ko, and Min Ji Lee really fighting it out over that back nine. That's that's what you want as a mm-hmm. fan is the spectacle, but that takes nothing away from what a superb performance it was. Yeah, uh, as, as I said there a minute ago, she uh, she's always I've always been impressed with the way she played. And it was always a bit of a mystery to me why she wasn't mm. winning at the at the very highest level. I mean, it took her a while, um, <coughs> excuse me, to um, to break through. But now that she's done it, I think um, you know you've got somebody. It looks to me that she's going to win seven or eight of these things by the time she's done, at least. Yeah. So you know, she's that good. If, if, and uh, the putting looked a bit better. Mm. That, that's I've never been too happy watching her putt. Far more, far less than her. her T to green play has always been impressive, but the thing that was missing was maybe the putting, and she, she certainly putted well with pine needles. Mm. Another thing that's missing is that just the broader support within Australia oh, just. for Minji Lee. Before today and even uh, before yesterday and, and even going forward, there's going to be a bunch of Australian golfers who don't know who Minji Lee is or that she's Australian even. And uh, and you know, there's a lot of talk about corporate sponsorship. Not that's a broader not coming just Min Lee, isn't it? Or just women's golf? There's not a lot of support for our quote unquote golfers, really locally. No, true. But you know, when Norman was in contention, going back to Norman, when Norman was in contention in those majors, they always the TV stations would come with a camera in the living room watching Merv and Tony. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't what, seen what's their reaction. In fairness, we haven't seen that with another golfer since. I don't recall seeing the Scott family when Adam was winning the 2013 Masters. Cam Smith has had probably the most press since Jason Day, and it hasn't been mm. that as well. There's been a bit of a shift away from golf. Norman, a bit like Tiger, and certainly here in Australia, I think, was he stopped being a golf story and started being a news story. Mm-hmm. And that's a different place, place to be. It hasn't stopped. And it hasn't stopped, as we're going to find out shortly. That wasn't about golf with Norman. Mm. He was a bigger figure than that, so we haven't seen. So I take your point, yeah, no, good point. but I'm not sure that golf really – I think golf has slipped in its standing in Australian sporting view, which is a shame because at the moment we've probably got more good players than we have had for on both men's and women's, particularly Minji and Hannah Green, who stand out as world-class talents Absolutely. and both major winners. So um, we'll only get the chance to see Minji if we're – Really lucky, probably twice here in Australia this year is the other problem that Australian golf's got is that we don't have any tournament golfs to see our tournaments back here, really, to see our best players come and play. We've got two on the men's side, three if you count the Sandbell Invitational, but that doesn't count for world rankings and that sort of thing. We've only got two on the women's, the the, the Vic Open and the and the, uh, the women's. Open. Unless she does something like Hannah did and the played w- in the Cobram Baruga players series. 
Trophies to be had. And good good <laughs> on for doing that. Trophies for the taking. Sorry, Huggy. You got a similar thing in Scotland. Uh, I hate don't to you? interrupt you too in, in, in mid flow, but um, there was another um, fairly significant Australian victory, or if you, if you can, you'll be claiming oh, it. I'll be claiming it too. <laughs> yesterday at the home of golf. Yes, indeed. I'm surprised you're not claiming Minji, actually. Wouldn't you just throw a blanket over Perth, since that's where Hannah's from, and you just claim them all? Well, that's true. <laughs> Perth is uh, is actually in Scotland, of course, isn't it? Yeah, yeah well, just about is at the moment. Who did win that? It was, there were two Australian-based Scots, were there not, at the, <coughs> um, the St. Lynx Trophy? The, 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 oh, oh, you've now got me. Who's the, Connor, McKinney, Connor McKinney the, and – Yes. Who won the Australian? He won the, he won the St Andrews Lynx Trophy. St Andrews, which is a fairly oh. prestigious amount uh, of his congratulations. Yes, absolutely. As prestigious as the Levin Medal? No. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's a step up from that. I hate to admit it. <laughs> Two time winners of the Levin Medal don't come along very often, uh, Logue. So you just, it's uh, actually, and it's actually Levin. If you Levin. Guys are Levin. Give oh, sorry. Brief, I'm going to, make, sorry. I'm going to ah. correct your pronunciation. You don't speak Australian. We don't speak Scottish, but somehow we'll manage to get along. I wanted to quickly get some thoughts on the course from you in particular, Logue, Pine Needles. I was watching yesterday, and I think this is directly from St Andrews, Huggy. The second hole yesterday had the players absolutely befuddled. No, no. no. <laughs> I, can, I can edit that. Um, no. Sorry, I, but that's the remnants of my COVID. My COVID, my yes. Huggy's had, had the plague. The second hole there, I just wanted to get your thoughts on this, reminded me a bit of the sixth at St Andrews. False front and then a front-to-back sloping green, and it gave them fits yesterday when the green was firm. It was just beautiful to see a golf hole with no water, no major hazards, just requiring absolute precision for the players to have any chance at all of, of, of well, even pars were hard to come by. Yeah, that's a unique set of challenges, isn't it? Because yeah. you really need to – it it almost calls for that low shot boring into the, the false front that pops up and just lands gently on the green, which is not a shot most pros have, I think. No. Strangely, it's the sort of shot amateurs – can pull off <laughs> never deliberately no that's right but <laughs> false fronts i think help amateurs because you yeah, can very much you know so. you, you, you can, can hit into them you can skinny yeah. one into the false yeah. front and it pops up it was a long time ago argument, when ground. i played uh, the old course essentially i thought the sixth hole was the most difficult hole on the course for that very reason where do you hit the ball to get it on the the green it's got that similar thing as it the false front and then the green that slopes from front to back slopes away from you almost impossible to stop the ball very similar the obviously the third at um uh royal melbourne west as well Yes, very much so, which is the first for the President's Cup course. It plays as the eighth in the – no, I'm only kidding. <laughs> you can't give up with the holes there. Yeah, uh, but at Pine Needles more generally um, was a fantastic tournament venue. And uh, despite some setup issues, like I think they did narrow it a little bit too much. So we were denied a little bit of the strategy because – Minji, and I don't think that would have hurt Minji Lee at all because Minji Lee can not only you know hit the middle of every fairway, she can – she could aim at any part of a fairway that she wants to aim at and and gain an advantage that way. Um, and we didn't get to see that. Instead, there was a li- it was a little bit penal left and right, but there was almost nobody in the field whose driving accuracy is so bad that that was a yeah. consistent issue from hole to hole, no. um, which means all it did was deny us of some strategy. Um, but, uh, you know, the conditions were still, you know, for the most part, even even though it was a little bit soft on the first couple of days, it was still firm compared to most golf that we see on TV. And the architecture was beautiful and the colours are beautiful. Um, you know, that whole area really reminds us of it, – it has that sort of sand belt feel about it with the pine trees added. But If they'd been gum trees, that could have been in Adelaide. 
that golf course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just that—that that was to me. That's it. That's uh, that's what it looked like. Huggy, women's golf more generally, I thought one of the things that was really interesting to watch yesterday, and we rarely see this in the men's game anymore, Mina Harrogay and Minji Lee are probably two polar opposites in terms of player. Minji had her off the tee covered by 30 or 40 yards. We rarely see this at the top of the men's game these days, do we? Is it is it fair to say that women's golf is partly more interesting because there's a more diverse range of players contending on a week-to-week basis, or am I just reading something there that I want to see? Um, Maybe a bit of both. Uh, certainly there is a less of a one-dimensional quality to the, the top end of the women's game. Um, that's partly one of the biggest reasons why I think they're, they're much more fun to watch is that uh, they play golf and they play the courses, as you just talked a little bit about, they play the courses the way they're designed to be played. They're, they're not blasting away and wedging on from everywhere. I, mean, I, had a, I had a walk around the old course at St Andrews the other day, <clears throat> and it, it's uh, um, I worry it was the most beautiful morning. It was sunny, warm, no wind, not a breath of wind. Fifty nine written all over it, Huggy. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if some somebody would have gone out that morning and hold putts, and the the scoring in the St Andrews Links Trophy, if that if you know, the amateurs are getting sixty fives and things. Goodness knows what the pros are going to do if the weather's decent. Um, I do worry a bit about that. They're, they're going to be driving quite a few of the greens. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. There's only one significant change since the last Open. Uh, the eighth tee, the par three, has been moved back. Uh, I suspect simply so that they can stick the pin behind the bunker and make it impossible to get close. Um, but that's you know that's the classic St Andrews scenario. Is if you're not in the right place. Um, typically, with a, on the second shot with the par fours, you're you're going to be putting from thirty five feet if you're lucky. Um, that's, that's, if you're good. that's how it goes. <laughs> if you're in, if you're in the wrong place off the tee, that's the punishment. Yeah. Just to clarify, we we'll, we won't get emails, but we'll we'll get you know for the want of a better term, we'll get emails. Uh, is it the scoring that upsets you? Why shouldn't the players be able to shoot fifty seven, fifty eight, and fifty nine around the old? No, it's 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 never been the scoring that that's bothered me. I, I think if the um, if the top players in the world uh, in a de- in decent weather can't go around in a really low score, there, there's something wrong or something contrived about the golf course. My my mind always goes back uh, to Oakmont, the the year that Cabrera won the the U.S. Open. The classic example of that: Tiger Woods at the very top of his game shot six third round at Oakmont. If that's that being the case, there's something wrong with the golf course. They they tricked up the golf course to the point where you Tiger couldn't play, you know, properly. Yeah, but I mean, on on any other day golf course, he would have been shooting sixty three or sixty four the way he played that day. But it was sixty nine, and the fault was the golf course. It was nothing to do with him. Yeah. So no, it's not the the scoring doesn't bother me. It's the it's the way that they're they're score the, the way that they're compiled that bothers me. Yeah. The, not the not the scoring itself. Are we on the verge of a generation, Logue, who won't recognise what it is that we're talking about when we say the golf's more entertaining mm-hmm. when the ball doesn't go as far? We're almost at the point where we've got a generation of golf fans who've never seen anything but a driver wedge style of play, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. There's there's kids who are probably you know entering high school now who've never seen <laughs> like a baked out yeah. British Open or something. Yeah, the. Uh, uh, the scoring, I think, is an interesting one because it's an easy to understand symptom of what we're talking about, but it's not necessarily 
what you're trying to treat. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, it's, uh, somebody made the comment the other day, but well, it, it maybe segues into this discussion about um, what the product is that we're seeing on TV and whether this live thing's going to offer anything more or whether this is going to prompt the PGA Tour to offer something a bit better. But everything that you see on TV is almost unwatchable at the moment because every golf course looks the same. This is why Pine, Pine Needles stick, sticks out so much. Every golf course looks the same and they're just being examined with a couple of different shot types. You know, how far can you hit it? Can you hack it out? Yeah, I actually, I actually think that the authorities are far more bothered, generally speaking, are more bothered about the scoring because if you look at what they do to golf courses yeah. now in order to keep the scoring up, mm. you know, the, one of the the arguments that people who don't think the ball should be rolled back always put forward is, well, the scoring isn't getting that much better. Yeah, but that's only because of what all the tricked up golf courses, that the, the all the narrow fairways, the rough, the incredibly fast greens, the pin positions almost off the green in some places. All, everything that they can do to keep the scoring up, they do. Yeah, but- if, they, if they play the golf courses the way they were designed to be played, they would go right to nothing. Which is treating a symptom. Yeah. Yeah. The, the scoring is yeah. just this symptom, and it's a, an easy to understand symptom. But. Yeah. This, this, uh, I'm intrigued by this homogenized notion because you're right, and we've been commenting on it for a few years. Did, did you do the exercise at all during the Women's Open where you flicked over to the memorial? Oh. <laughs> and it was confronting. <clears throat> it was visually confronting. You sort of had a bit of a reaction. It's like, wow. But they polar opposite, you know, one golf course sitting comfortably in its landscape and the other bunkers in the rough just forced onto yeah. manufactured artificially you beat me to it. it's just yeah buggies. sorry Huggy. Yeah. <laughs> you stole that off Huggy, because yeah. well, you showed your hand on twitter early in the week huggy so yeah. uh whole locations yeah, yeah. Whole, I did. the whole locations were offensive too huggy look that's just that's just <laughs> Muirfield village doing Muirfield village things that's what that is yes yeah. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm playing the hits. I don't know where the line is, but I've crossed it. <laughs> That's it. That's enough. That's the end of uh, end of that. Look, great tournament. I did want to ask you okay, about that point I was asking you about playing, and it's been a good recent trend. The Women's British Open does the same thing. Playing these much better golf courses for the women's major tournaments really does elevate them, doesn't it? We saw the purse this week is was it enormous at $10 million for women's golf especially. Um, but this notion of going to places like Pine Needles, Pebble Beach next year, uh, I'm not sure where the women's – where's the women's open this year, Huggy? The British Open. It's a Muirfield. Muirfield. Any better than that. No, mm-hmm. exactly. It, it, it's, it really, it's almost a more important step in some ways than the money, isn't it, I think? Well, it's it's significant in uh, in – a couple of ways. I mean, yes, it's the, it's probably the best golf course they've ever played the uh, the event on, other than you know the old, old course. I, I never put the old course in any kind of category. It sits there by itself. Yeah, there's the old course. That's you're, right. You know, measuring it, but uh, also it's significant because of the you know the controversy that surrounded Muirfield or the Honourable Company of Edinburgh Golfers, the, the membership. Um, they now have women members <clears throat> there and. I mean, my theory is nobody's admitting this, but my theory is that the the RNA have said to the to the honourable company, um, "You'll take a women's <laughs> open before you get the open back again." So, um, uh, <laughs> good, which is uh, good enough for me. I mean, yep. it's it's going to be fascinating to see how they how they play that golf course off what are the normal tees, if you like. Well, yeah, and, uh, ironic that it was it's where Mickelson won, did he not? He's open twenty. He did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. yeah, which segues us nicely to Huggy, the news of the day. 
you're at uh, you're in London, heading off to Centurion Golf Club. I think no, it is. I, I'm in I'm in Hemel Hempstead. That's sorry, Hemel Hempstead. Good good luck to you. <laughs> Uh, Centurion Golf Club, I think I know nothing about the golf course. Uh, of course, Phil's announced in the last couple of hours that he will be playing, that he signed with the Live Golf Team. The rumours are for $200 million, although they're always just speculation. He announced it on a nicely typeset page as well. Although, as somebody pointed out, what went on with the last paragraph, which suddenly had double spacing? Oh, did it? Oh, yeah. Oh, I completely haven't. I'm not across you this. You haven't across This is my sort of issue. I'm not sure whether you approved of <laughs> the font. Yeah. Uh, what's the? It's late at night there, Huggy, so there's probably not much buzz about it, but I know that you're up and you're on the internet with Twitter and all the rest of it. Hasn't this put the cat amongst the pigeons? As if Live Golf wasn't causing enough of a sideshow, Phil coming back this week, now we're really in for something, aren't we? Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how many people show up on uh, Thursday morning to watch this. Uh, what basically amounts to a very well-paid comp- um, exhibition. But because uh, there's no, strangely, I think the, the public are not going to be allowed in tomorrow or Wednesday for the practice days. It's media only. Um, so there'll be nobody watching other than the who, um, stained scribes. Um, <laughs> do they still call that? Oh, yeah. Step above they, caddies. Um, it's a disgraceful <coughs> situation. Excuse me. So, um, that that's uh, hopefully he'll be there tomorrow. I'd like to see him in there. Uh, another <laughs> chat uh, falling on from Saudi Arabia in February, but uh, I'll be surprised if he's doing any one on ones this week. What do you think will happen? I mean, you know him much better, obviously, than any of us. You know, you know him reasonably well. Uh, is he going to be in his element in the limelight, or is this particular sort of spotlight even a little uncomfortable for him? Well, I think it's uh, it won't do any harm to break himself in um, this week. I think because um, well, it's it's probably not going to affect it too much. I I think there's one American journalist coming over um, that I know of. There might be more now that he's I was, confirmed. I was about to say, mate, certainly one. Yeah. Check the BA flight reservations. Yeah. I suspect you'll find there's a couple but, more Americans uh, on their way. Yeah. But next week at the US Open, I, I think it will still be, um, if we can say, shit show on, on podcast. I think that's exactly what we're going to get uh, media-wise. And if I'm USGA, I'm, I'm probably not that happy that he is coming back for the first time, basically, uh, in America next week because it's going to be a complete distraction. It'll be the, the only story in town for at least the fir- first couple of days mm-hmm. and, and until the event itself starts. I mean, as we've said many times, the, the, the golf always takes over. But until it does, uh, Phil's going to be the show. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what he says, if he says anything at all, um, and how he how he behaves. I mean, he's uh, as you say, he's never been one to shirk the limelight. The, the limelight but um, it'll be interesting to see how he reacts to it all this week. He's generally been in control of the limelight, though, hasn't he, Huggy? He's always been the pro that turns up to the press conference. He already knows what uh, what direction the press conference is going to take because he sets the agenda. Mm-hmm. This is very different. Yeah, he's he, very good at that. He's yeah. going to be grilled, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, but, um, as we've probably said on here before, I've, I had one on ones with Phil for a good number of years uh, each year at the Scottish Open, and I was being used. I mean, I was quite happy to be used because I was getting the kind of exclusive one-on-one interview with the, you know, one of the top players in the world. Um, but he always had something that he wanted to to say. He, he didn't come in and, and let me just ask my questions. And it was the same in Saudi Arabia in February. Um, I asked one or two questions and, and off he went. I mean, he, he, he went into that interview with me 
knowing what he was going to say and said it. So, and that's typical of him. He's he's always had a an agenda in place before the interview actually happens. And you know, as I say, I fully admit that finally, I'm sure everybody pretty much in my business would say the same that they're somebody of Phil's level or stature. You, you're quite happy to be used to that extent because you're getting a great story. Yep. To be honest, if a few more pros put the same effort into that part of their uh, mm. their their yeah. their golf life, the the world would be a better uh, a better sort of place. What's your what's the you've been to hundreds of golf tournaments, Huggy? How's the setup work of this live thing? Have they got have they got in the in the background the stuff that's unimportant things like the dealing with the press and where you're going to go and press passes and all those small logistical things? Are they running smoothly? What's been your experience with them so far? Well. I, I don't know is the short answer to that because I haven't been to the golf course yet. I, I won't till tomorrow morning. Um, but <coughs> excuse me, I'm terrible. Uh, cough. But the um, I'd got the usual press pass, you know, with a picture and you know t- which car park to go to. Um, I'm sure there's a, a media center. the The coverage of it is, is is far more interesting. It's going to be streamed on YouTube, I think. YouTube and Facebook um, for free. YouTube, uh, Facebook, and the yes. talk, the Live Golf website. Yeah, yeah. So you can watch it anywhere in the world, free, free of, um, which is probably the only way they could go um, to begin with. I mean, uh, they've got to sell this this thing to the to the public well. and. Uh, if they were charging too much money initially, that, that wasn't the, probably a smart uh, strategy. So Bizarre. it'll be interesting to see what the viewing figures are. Um, I think people will, a lot of people will tune in, at least initially, to, yeah. out of interest, just to see what the hell is going on. Whether they hang around or not uh, remains to be seen. You've got some issues I think you wanted to raise, Logue, about um, when the field was first announced, Live Golf. Well, yeah. Um, I'll be interested to see at the event just what a shambles it is. It looks from the outside like a complete shambles. Because it all seems very last minute and, like, let's just all pull it together and let's pull together um, some new format with incredibly old, tired thinking. And I think that that comes across in everything that they produce from that that, uh shambolic document that they produced last week. Come on, run other give others the joy of the critique that you gave the oh, rest of us privately. <laughs> oh, I don't, I, it's, it's just it's just a trash document that um, where they announced the player list. But also what does it say to me about you know your local the, the shitty coffee store across the road here <laughs> puts more effort into drawing their coffee special on the on the sign outside. Yeah. To like advertise their well, shitty coffee. Without that- to interrupt, but yeah. <laughs> you're you're dead right. I mean, the when I was driving down today and I got close to the to the golf course, which I haven't seen yet, but they saw this the, the signs. There were the crappiest little yellow yeah. signs, and all they said was "golf event." That's what I'm interested was, in. Yeah, that was just, it. I, that's yeah. the sort of half-assed stuff that they've established is what they're going to do. If this was. Again, like even obviously the Australian Open, when that comes to town in Sydney, we see big banners and things. Mm. But it's one or two marquee players that that are on those big banners. The whole point of this teams-based format is that the teams should be promoting their own stars. And those banners should be filled with team colours. We don't know anything about the teams in this thing. That's how half-assed it is. What what are they going to be, like blue, red, green, purple, (laughs) yellow or something? Is that... Is that what the teams are going to be? I, I guarantee. I don't know that they're going to have a, a 
some sort of draw. It's a model knight, I think. Yeah. So we, we a don't draw is ridiculous. But, we like, don't, but hang on, we don't know who the captains are yet. So look. But still, that shows a fundamental Absolutely. misunderstanding of, For the very of, first of how to sell out. this concept. Exactly. The way to sell this <laughs> concept is those announcements of who's mm. in the playing roster should have been done by the teams. You should have established the teams first, like an F, like they do in F1. Well, we should know who the captains are, and they should be keeping mum about who they're going to choose for their teams and how the draft That's is right. going to work. And then leave an it to the captain to yeah. make these announcements. I, I think their their format is fundamentally sort of taken the PGL thing and misunderstood it yeah. and misapplied it. But the PGL thing, I think, get it right, where they're not so much captains, they're team owners or yeah. principals, and they don't have to be playing. Like, they're not a playing captain. Election it, Tiger. Which, as we've talked about, is, you know, that's the opportunity to bring in Tiger and have him be involved in it for the next 20 years, exactly. 30 years. Michael Jordan or, yeah. you know, Charles Barkley could get involved or one of those AFL players who played in the match. They could, oh, sorry, NFL. Um, so, yeah, that's the proper way to do it, I guarantee By you. By the way, uh, have, you guys seen, have you guys seen the piece in the Washington Post no, yes. I've seen the quote on, on, on Greg Norman. Yeah, but I was coming to this. Yeah. Where he, he claims that Tiger turned down a figure in the high nineties. Well, if the money they're talking I mean, about is right, if, they, me. if they've offered Phil 200, given what we know of how much money they've got and the fact that we know they're not running on a business model, frees you up, there's no need for a return on investment, he'd be the only one. You wouldn't. You wouldn't balk at seven hundred and fifty million offer for Tiger Woods, would you? Just to be on site, he doesn't even have to play. I mean, the guy only has to well, eat dinner and he draw a crowd. Can. Yeah, I mean, I, I always liken Tiger to um, when subject of appearance money, which probably this is, has come up. I, 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 Tiger for me was always like Michael Jordan in basketball. Couldn't pay him enough. You know, he just couldn't give him enough money because of what he brought to the event. I mean, Tiger was just off the charts. Mm. I mean, if you if they had Tiger Woods in this um, Saudi thing, they, they wouldn't need anybody else. No, that, that, just let him play by himself, and people would show up. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's the only one you can say that about. So you literally can't pay him enough. No, that's exactly right. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they did offer him seven hundred and fifty million, which is the speculation oh, of roughly, least. roughly yeah. what they've what they've offered him. Which is interesting, Huggy. Um, good on him for turning it down. If you're on the yeah. if you're on the side that says the human rights issue cannot be everything else about this, you say, oh, well, look, let him go. But the human rights issue, you can't get around that. And that's as you've often put it, Huggy. That's across the line for me. Uh, good on him for turning it down. As has apparently Roger Federer several times in the past. So it's not the first time Tigers said no to them. I mean, he, they've, they've they've wanted him to play in Saudi Arabia previously, uh, and he's always sort of said no. The Washington Post thing is interesting. What has What's happened to Greg Norman? He has gone mad. He has <laughs> filleted Jack Nicholas yep. in that story. He's yeah, taken shots at Rory, said Rory's been brainwashed and other players. Um, quite bizarre, Huggy. It brings into question yet again, is Norman the right person for the job? Well, I don't know if you guys have ever been in press conferences or, or in environments where Greg Norman is speaking. I mean, my mind goes back to a Australian Golf Writers Awards thing years ago, uh, when he he spoke for you know fifty minutes or whatever. Oh Jesus, that's a punishment! And I, along with everybody else in the room, had absolutely no clue what he was talking was about. Was he in awe of himself? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I can't remember what he said now, but it, it it was gibberish. And I've heard him do that on a number of occasions mm. where 
he walks out and everybody just looks at each other and think, what was that? that yeah. You know, he just doesn't make any sense. And, and my, the, the only conclusion I can come to is that he's not that bright. No. You know, I don't, I'm no idea well, what his IQ is, but uh, that's not the definitive measure of, you know, sometimes, but I just don't know what he's talking about most of the time. I've got this theory about him and his, and the way he speaks that he's sort of optimized the things he says for very small groups of people, like mm. playing partners. At a and he's pro and he's, by all accounts, and you know, I've seen a little bit of this. He's extremely charismatic. Oh, he's very charismatic. And, no question about that. <laughs> um, and very engaging and interesting. And if you were spending a whole day with him, you'd be entertained enormously. I think. And uh, as long as it wasn't too big a group, but I think he takes that same uh, that same Sick. speech pattern, mm. and it doesn't apply to broadcast. It doesn't even apply to a room full of people. It's uh, he's just highly optimized for this communication to. A group of two or three people standing around him in adulation, nodding and nodding and furiously at whatever yeah. he says. He can kind of say it, it to me. It explains all of these statements, like the there's women in the restaurants oh, and all that, so, and and casual comments about um, Rory being brainwashed and everything. You he could get away with those things in a small group of people, and people would see it as an interesting insight, yeah, or like a behind the scenes sort of thing. But he he goes and he tries to play that play that uh, tune to you know a broadcast audience and he sounds like a buffoon yes indeed you'd have to think huggy would you not he's a liability i mean if you were if you were in charge of the saudi money that's funding the whole thing you'd have to be thinking would you not what do they do to that liabilities he's a, that, that he's a liability <laughs> well there's already been rumors of that the, they were going to dump him i mean in the wake of the we all make mistakes. Comment that he Good made, Lord. you know, which is so far off the charts. He, he himself, he, he, he himself, Huggy missed the green in '86. You know, at the 18th, that and <laughs> never got into the playoff. And you know, happened thought, to me once. He's yeah. thought about that. Um, it's yeah. quite. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they dumped him. Um, again, Phil would have been the obvious one, but he's too much. He's too damaged now as well, probably. But. Um, can we think of anybody else that they could come up with that uh, they could pay enough to do that job? Well, they had do the, it better than Greg does it. Well, he's the two IC guy who um, Ratches, which yeah, who he is, quit. He was interviewed on the um, the Richard unofficial Gillis partner podcast. Fab fabulous podcast. Fab we might put a link to that in the show notes. We might get Richard Gillis on the show to explain. We'll so to. he's been doing the best coverage podcast wise of this live golf thing of anybody. He really has. It's right up his alley. It's, yeah. it's the sort of history in the making that Richard Gillis yeah, is, is right across. Um, but yeah, and that guy's gone and resigned a week later. Um, but that, I think that's what it needs is a Jay Monaghan type corporate guy. Just stick somebody up there or who's a safe pair of hands. They need a safe pair of hands. Or could you make the case that in fact what you do need is this bumbling Keystone Cops sort of thing <laughs> to get it off the ground, to distract from the fact. I mean, if it's supposed to be all about distraction, the, the thing I don't get, Huggy, and nobody can explain this, if this is all about sports washing and, you know, having people ignore the human rights record in Saudi Arabia. It has been on any measure an abject failure. There is yet to be a story written about the thing that doesn't mention <laughs> the human rights issues attached to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, yeah that, that's it's actually the, the biggest shame of all this is, is, as you said, where the money's coming from. Mm. I mean, if this money, if it was coming from somewhere else, we'd all be sitting there thinking, 
And this is this is long overdue. Hugely like entertaining, this. yes. Especially yeah, if it was we, as bubbling we, an effort as this, it'd be hugely yeah. entertaining. Yeah, we need to give you know professional golf needs a, a damn good shake. I mean, yeah. the PJ Tour is so tired most weeks. I barely pay attention to it. I, I, I look on Sunday to see who wins, and that's basically. And, and I'm an avid fan, so if they're, mm. they're well on the way to losing me, they're losing everybody. So th- this is in many ways. History might be kinder to this than, than than we think in the sense that it it might be good for professional golf as a whole that that some something has happened yeah. at least it, forget if you can I know it's very difficult and it's impossible to put aside where the money's coming from but the the, the just to shake things up it, it, that, is that really such a bad thing mm-hmm. I, I don't think so and lurking in the background there's Andy Gardner and the PGL. The PGL, which might mm-hmm. sort of uh, – Jared Hitchcock, a guy I follow on Twitter, I don't know what he does or where he's from. He's very heavily into politics. But I loved his tweet this morning. He said, look, the position's this. Seeing the PGA Tour get a bloody nose doesn't exactly make me weep. But everything written about living the Saudis mm-hmm. is true. So in the spirit of the times, the only thing to be said is tremendous content. He's <laughs> <laughs> 100%. I mean, that's all that's – I'm not at least – I'm not the least bit interested in the golf. I no. may not tune – I might tune into you the, you know the YouTube to. just to see what sort of a – You're almost working media now. <laughs> Just, You're obliged. I'll just tune yeah. in to see what sort of a like a dumpster fire that they put on YouTube. But apart from that, I've, you know, I'm not going to tune into the next tournament unless they radically change the format or they understand the formula a bit better. It's it's all about just the controversy and drama of the thing, it's, yeah. which is fantastic. But. Men's professional golf at the top level is essentially virtually eating itself, is it not, Huggy? Is this not the natural conclusion to what's been the 25 Tiger boom years? where he was the only well, one who was worth it but dragged everybody else up by the bootstraps and made them all think they were worth what he's worth and got away with it for a long time? Well, well the, one, the one almost clever thing I think they've done is that they've gone after some of the top amateurs. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. a sprinkling of them in the field this week. That If they're thinking of this as a kind of medium-term pro- prospect, you know, five years to ten years, these are the guys that – five years from now could be the absolute stars of the game and, and will have never played on the PGA Tour. I mean, if you look at the the American Walker Cup team from about five years ago at LA Country Club, it's Zala Torres and all these guys. I mean, they're all stars now, mm-hmm. half the team at least. So if they're if that's how they're thinking, they're they're that is quite smart, I think, is to get these guys in early uh, with no allegiance to the PGA Tour. And they just go from there because these guys can they can also play the Asian tour, I mean, which is perfectly legitimate competitive environment, I think, and they can become great players doing that. You know, they don't have to be on the PGA tour to be to become great five ten years from now. You- I think if they if they follow that policy, they're, they're onto something. Um, what I'm concerned about with the Asian tour is somebody's putting their thumb on the scale with this official world golf rankings thing. I, th- I think it's a terrible move. I don't know if it's has it actually been enacted yet that world golf ranking points have been taken away from Asian tour events. Oh, I'm not sure. And the European tour. And the European tour. And oh my god. <coughs> well, I mean, I, th- I think that'd be are a they disaster. Directly that- taking them away, or are they just changing the strength of field rankings? Uh, I think you won't earn points. Is the is the rumor on the Asian tour? Yeah. yeah. No world ranking points well, at all. There's mini tours in the back end of Sweden that get world ranking <laughs> points. <laughs> That's well, I think yeah, on the the DP World Tour, the the number of points available there is going to go down. For, I think from August first, which again makes the the jump 
um, into the Saudi pit, if you like. That much easier. More attractive yeah. for the slightly above average DP World Tour player whose pathway, possible pathway onto the PGA Tour is closing. So he's he's going to think to himself, I mean, Laurie Cantor is the perfect example of that. He's playing here this week. He's in a well above average DP World Tour player. And he's he's jumping. He's gone. He because he probably he's probably analyzed this and thought, well, any ambition I had to play on the PGA Tour is going to be that much more difficult. And for me to make the top fifty in the world after August the first this year is going to be really really hard mm. playing in Europe. That was my most obvious pathway to playing in the PGA Tour. It's basically closed. I'm off. There's going to be a few more. Do what well, he's done. And, and well, that's also going to be a problem as because it's a pathway to the majors. Like all of these live golf players are thinking, oh yeah, well, I play this play tour, make a bunch of money, and I can still play the majors. And, and cake and eat it too. But if there's no world ranking points coming from these Asian tour events and live tour events, then how are you going to get into the majors? You're going to have to qualify like an animal. That, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's they're, they're going to have to. They're going to have to make a decision on the world ranking points for these things. I mean, they can't. It, it doesn't seem right that there'd be zero points. I mean, you know, it, that, that wouldn't be fair. <laughs> Unsubstantiated. Put it that way. Well, but it's you know, but who knows? Who knows what they're going to do? I mean, the, the influences the, on the other side of that coin are, are pretty strong. So you never know. Would put them in an interesting legal position, wouldn't it, Huggy? Yes, very much so. Yeah. I mean, you might have some moral grounds to say you don't want to abort, <laughs> you don't want to award world ranking points, but you I can't imagine you'd have any legal grounds if it's a sanction or if it's a yeah. it's a tour that it should all, be. All of this is heading into a courtroom as well. Oh, look, it absolutely what this is going to turn to and this is the point. So so essentially here's the potential outcomes I guess, Huggy. I think you're right. If and I suspect their their goals are medium and long term, if the Saudi Arabians if that's what their goals are, Kiss goodbye to the PGA Tour, the European Tour. Kiss goodbye to it all. They have the money. They mm. will win. They'll have all the golfers. But will they bring the fans? Will it work ultimately? Is the product going to be palatable to the end consumer? I think that's a much, much, much longer-term prospect. Well, if they're smart, if they're really smart, they'll get somebody in there that understands golf course architecture and, and what is what really is a great golf course and like Centurion places like Pine Needles yeah. they'll knock 50 yards it's on two Trump courses to start with so oh Huggy's frozen on the zoom there he was just get, just launching into a rant too look at that frozen picture yeah he's at his absolute best and we've lost him Huggy don't leave us I think he was heading for Persimmon <laughs> I think that's where he was going. We can only speculate. We, we were just at the start of the cul-de-sac. Well, he actually looks excited. Whatever he was, whatever he was about to announce, he's pretty excited. Oh no, here he comes. He's back again. You're with us again, Huggy. Hello. We lo I lost you. There, you, you guys froze. Well, you froze <laughs> on us, and you were just launching into a rant. You said they get somebody oh, right. really smart who understands golf course architecture. So finish that up because I'm convinced oh, right. we're heading towards persimmon here. That's what I reckon. That's what I reckon the destination. Well, I, I reckon I if they're if they're really smart, what they'll do is they'll knock fifty yards off the ball for this new tour, and imagine all the great golf courses that they can go to that are deemed obsolete now. That they could this yeah. could be the great. Adrian Logue would be watching every week if they Probably. were playing Sunningdale and Pine Needles and Royal Melbourne and Kingston Heath and all everywhere that they don't go anymore yeah. on the PGA Tour and the European Tour. 
That's that to me would be a hell of a strategy. Well, it would be myopia hunt club. Would actually be bold, which is what myopia. (laughs) Mike Davis might get a start. (laughs) He can play with Dustin Johnson. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, That would be very bold, Huggy. Which interestingly, Logue, despite let me find the talking points that the players have been. Do we want to talk about the graphic designer? Key messaging. They've gone for that from that trash player (laughs) announcement thing to something that from a design point of view, is way over-designed. Yeah. Like, and it's got some weird background image. I can't make out what it is. Some sort of flower or something, perhaps? Is that what that is? I don't know. I don't know. But it, it's a, it's you know, just bad. And the to- anyway, you're going to take us through some talking points, eh? Oh, okay. So the key messaging, this is what's been handed out to players. I'm not sure whether you saw this during the week. Live Golf exists to modernise and supercharge the game of golf via expanded golf opportunities for fans. I feel like that's questionable. We'll come to that in a moment. And players alike for the betterment of every level of the sport. I think that's questionable too. It's an opportunity to reinvigorate golf through a structure that adds value to both fans and players alike. I want you to, this week, Huggy, I want you to play along, play key messaging bingo in every press conference you go into. See how many of these get a run as you go through, because this is what the players have been given. Uh, opportunity to reinvigorate golf through a structure that adds value to both fans and players alike. We believe golf is more than just a game. It's an electric, contagious collective sport we treat golf as more than a game from the past for us it's a sport with a future so then we'll move on once we've been through that list to grow the game and here's the key messages for the grow the game we'll unlock the sports untapped worldwide potential and grow the game's audience for the next generation i'd love to hear what the follow-up to that is how i'd really like to hear there's there's proof points there as well Oh, is there? Right, okay. Oh, yes, we'll come over to the proof points in a minute. Uh, Number two, the role of golf as an entertainment product is critical to overall participation of the sport. I actually think that is true. Might be the only thing I agree with on this whole document. They're all platitudes, though. Of course they are. Continue on. It's come from a marketing department. Yep. Andy Andy Gardner didn't write this, I'd love to see how their stupid (laughs) dumpster fire YouTube thing is going to... We are. Andy Andy Gardner wrote something like this. I kind of believe it. Like, it's... We are offering a healthy dose of innovation with a new format that has the opportunity to engage existing audiences and attract new ones, or news ones, actually, across a broader global footprint. Here's the proof points. Like, continuous evolution is the lifeblood of sport, but golf is evolving too slowly. I wonder, do we say that same thing? We might be in agreement there, mightn't we? Have we said that? Well, I think we're, we we want the golf to go backwards in a way. In a we? way, yeah. Mm-hmm. To, to go forward. We don't, that's right. We, if you can call what what's happening evolution, I'm yeah. not so sure that's the, the right word for it. I would call it, you know, regression in many ways. Um, but that, yeah, here's another that, proof. There's point. an awful lot of rhetoric there. There that is. Oh, we're not done. Language. We're not done I'm yet. Not sure exactly what it means. We're Just all motherhood yet. statements and everything. Today's golf audience is ten years older than any other mainstream sport, so we're all committing a crime by being old. And lack of product innovation is a big part of that. I think we, they, I think we actually do agree with that. We've having, done nothing but kick the tours for they, 72 old stroke play every week for yeah. years. So I think we're agreeing with that. Our but mission you, is you've, to You've been brainwashed. Yeah, I have been. <laughs> Our mission is to spread golf to every corner of the planet by modernizing and supercharging the game. I'm interested in the supercharging notion. I mean, I'd like to see how that works. And we treat this game as a sport with a future rather than simply a game from the past. My earballs are hurting after that. Is there any point, Huggy, you've met lots of pro golfers over here, is there any point handing that to Dustin Johnson? <laughs> in all honesty, <laughs> is, is he going yeah. to memorise all of that and spew it out at the press conference when you when you get there? Well, if you had, if, is there any pictures? 
There's a background picture. There's some very weird oh. background picture. It's dark too. Yeah. It's like a grey black. No. It's a weird. The whole thing's very sort of weird. I mean, really that's, it's a bit unfair to pick on Dustin. I mean, he's at the he's the, he's the guy on the end of the bell curve that you cut off. Um, he wouldn't count in any survey if any real note. Um, kind of the beauty of him, it? isn't it, Huggy? He's about the only one in many ways. He's about the only honest one. In some, I mean, apart, yes. from the, apart from the fact yeah. that he blatantly lied a couple of months ago when he was asked about yeah. this and didn't tell the truth, but you'd imagine it, given the chance, you'd just say, oh, "Look, the money's really good and it's kind of easy." Yeah, well, so. he was he was the reason I think that the there was a slight delay on the announcement of the field originally. Yeah, I think it was all down to he was they were negotiating with him and his agents to come up with a figure where they would make the jump. Well, they weren't um, They weren't wasting their time on any graphic design. I can <laughs> or money. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, maybe we're being a, a little bit too hard on it. We're, we're nitpicking to this thing to death. This is only the first one. You know, the, I, I'm with you to the point where they should, they should be doing better. I mean, they've had plenty of time to think about this and, and get the, the details right, but Clearly, they haven't. Um, I'm sure they will, given more time, because they're going to get slaughtered and all this stuff. Um, we won't be the only ones. I mean, we're not. Uh, we're not the only people who are like the two old guys in the box at the Muppet Show um, <laughs> criticizing everything. Does anybody know that? Um, if this was, but- <sighs> if this was any normal business, and they'd launched like this, it would be an instant failure. Of course, it would. Vegemite yeah. two yes. They deserve to be. Like they deserve to fail, but this with is this the, effort. So this is the problem for for traditional golf, for the PGA Tour and the European Tour. They're that rogue actor. They're not operating under the same rules. This is not a business that needs to make a return. There's no pressure for that. They can spend as they've supposedly set aside two billion dollars for this. Two billion. Even if you add it all up. They're not even at eight hundred million yet, by my calculation. With the Asian tour, yeah, the payments to the players, use- the- but then, it's not like they're being disruptive, though. Like they're not entering the arena with something new that ev- that's got everyone's attention. No, they've got everyone's attention they're because pretending. they're they're stumbling in like a drunken person who's like, "Oh, what's he going to do?" They've got the like, attention, though, haven't they? That, yeah. But, but Rod's right. I mean, they they can easily ride out any of these silly little things that we're talking about now. Um, they they don't care about that stuff. You so, know, they'll, they'll get it right in time. Which means it just doesn't matter. Because they, they don't care. It doesn't matter because they don't need to make money. It's going to normalize. I don't think they the, will get it right. I think that signals that they will not get it right. No, they will because this will, this will normalize. And so all of the the, the people, I, I incompetent people in their positions will start to attract. It'll be okay. I think I gave this this example last time. My mum's neighbor was a very high rounding chartered accountant of some sort. Lost his job during the GFC in 2008. The only job he could get was in Saudi Arabia. So he went for huge sums of money, packed up him and his wife. They lived in a compound. They came back two or three times a year, made more money than he'd ever made in his life. Nobody begrudged him that. It was normalised. What you're saying is they'll get it right for them, but they're not going to be getting it right for golf fans. Neither's the PGA Tour. No, I know. (laughs) I know. They've been a juggernaut for the last 30 years. I know. I mean, basically what Phil Mickelson has announced today is that he's not going to play in the players. That's the only thing that he would care about missing. I don't think he'd really care, would he? He's won it. He probably doesn't once. care about nobody that. Nobody wins yeah. it twice. Well, Tiger <laughs> did, but Norman did, but nobody wins it twice. So he's not going to care about that. He's, he said he's playing at Brookline next week. That, that's the only significant thing. That's exactly right. That 
that has happened really is long term huggy i this would be my fear long term but i think this is a potential problem regardless the the the, the distance thing could also do this to golf you've now created this schism at the top of the game and the fallout for that you don't know where that might go but the ultimate end of it may in fact be that the majors lose their luster with a future generation of players that's quite possible uh, we can't imagine it. We can't imagine that world. But when Harry Cooper won the North and South Open in 19, whatever it was, it was unthinkable that that wouldn't be considered one of the most important tournaments in the world. It no longer exists. So well, it can, the, can happen. You're right. If the majors decide that um, they're going to be play hardball with the, the Saudi players, if you like, and, and all these young guys that we've just talked about, if that, that actually happens in the, the next five, ten years, most of them end up not playing PGA Tour, not playing European Tour, and then not playing the majors. Yeah, of course the majors are going to, you know... If the Eventually, it erodes. That, they're, they're making a mistake because 10 years from now, you might be right. They could be much diminished because they don't have anything like the best field. So, so here's a reverse example of exactly that in action. If you'd asked any teenage golfer in the 1980s and 90s what's the most important tournament in the world what's your favourite tournament what's the one you really want to play particularly kids with any ability they would have all said the Open Mm -hmm. they now all say the Masters partly because it's attainable you go to the Asia Pacific Amateur and win it you go to Augusta and so Augusta has shifted that focus from the Open to them in what 15 years it's been going for so it's not impossible, and I'm not saying that's going to be the outcome, but that's the possibility. I always thought one of the dangers with the the ball, if, if, if the USGA and just said, right, that's it, we're changing the ball, and Titleist said, okay, that's the line in the sand, all of you guys that we pay to play, you don't go play in the majors anymore. Mm. Now, you'd have a bunch of guys who can afford to say, no, no, I'm still going to play the majors, but if you're Ryan Ruffles, Curtis Luck, so a, a young kid, like all the ones we're giving a free pass who are going to tee it up in the live this week, they're going to go, well, you know, I've got to put petrol in the car. I'll keep the titleless money and give the Masters a miss. I get that. Like, I've got no doubt that they can succeed on those terms mm. where it's like you throw enough money at it, you'll eventually yeah. achieve the outcome you want to achieve and it'll get normalised and all of that. Mm-hmm. But if this, but they're not product people fundamentally. They don't know how to produce a good product. They don't know how to produce a good document even. And if this was like Shark Tank or something for golf and you were having Andy Gardner pitch you're having Jay Monaghan pitch and you're having Greg Norman pitch, two of them would look like idiots with a terrible track record. And one of them you'd be thinking, hmm. I'm going to back that person. That's bold. It's interesting. Yeah. It hangs on to enough. I it, think you're right. Like the Shark Tank investors, they invest in they the do. people and the people who understand product and they, the people who understand how to create a great product and market it properly and and but make it a success. I agree with you, but all of those rules have changed. And they've we, all got but, money, though. But we, but we live in a media landscape that can't be bought the way it used to. It was really quite simple. You had television, and if you weren't on television, you didn't exist. No longer the case. This thing's launching without television. That will be normal in not too many years' time. Well, it's launching into media obscurity, though, isn't it? Well, we don't know. We haven't seen the numbers yet. Here's the other interesting thing. You will actually know how many people watch because it'll be sitting there on the screen, unlike the Nielsen ratings, which are a best guess to keep advertising. That will home. be interesting. They'll, they'll claim it as a big success. So there's yeah, – look, there's some interesting stuff about that. So that you're not in that landscape. This is part of the problem. You're not in that landscape where you can say this is how these things play out. We know historically because everything's changed so much, including that media part of it, which used to be that, well, we've got the knockout punch. We own the media. 
I've thought right from the start, if the PGA Tour is going to succeed or going to last as any sort of entity up against this behemoth, which they, you know, PGA's got deep pockets, but they ain't that deep, their only hope is to team with Andy Gardner, do the PGL thing, and keep Tiger involved. Because as crass as it is to say, he who owns Tiger owns golf. Mm-hmm. That's it. So and they could do that. That 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 window is open right now. They could go to him and say, "Listen, you can own the team. You can be a playing captain. You can do whatever you want." He's like the Pied Piper. Every golfer in the world wants to play on Tiger's team. They would queue up to be a part of that. He's cross generational. Kids love Tiger. The cool kids on the web love Tiger. Yeah, you've got a connection there that you're not going to get ever again. So if they want to beat back this Saudi thing, you can push them back for. Probably twenty five years because Tiger, you know as well as anyone, Huggy, Tiger would be into that. You give him a team, mm. he's he's actually going to feel competitive. He's going to be into it. He's going to be up at six o'clock Monday morning, the headset on, yeah, doing the stats, there, all like, of that. He would be into it. You'd have a like mm. a, a puffer jacket, like yeah. in. The, I think. <clears throat> I think what's sort of mildly interesting. This isn't so much inside baseball, but the, they announced the the media team, if you like, the people who are going to be commentating. Yeah, it's a. Pretty mediocre bunch. Yeah. I mean, uh, if if I'd been if they if they had a real sense of humour, they, they would have offered Damon Lynch two hundred million dollars <laughs> just to see if he would do it. Now, him and Chambly doing the commentary wouldn't that have been interesting, Huggy? I mean, if they'd legitimately yeah. offered him two hundred and fifty million each, exactly publicly. Here's two hundred and fifty <laughs> yeah. million. Here's the check. Come and I, do the commentary. I mean, I, I know. I mean, I know him pretty well. I'd, I'd, be inter- I'd be interested to see what his reaction to that would be. I think he probably would knock it back. I do too. And him and, and I, <clears> I reckon, uh, I reckon he'd wonder for the. He'd, I reckon he'd wonder for the rest of his life whether he should have too. Because this is what we do. Oh, maybe what we do forget in all of this. You know, we're used to these guys dealing in these sorts of money, but we don't. <laughs> They're staggering sums of money. If you honestly put that in front of most human beings. Your morals would have to be put aside for at least a little bit while you considered it. Oh, for sure. I know, but my, my <laughs> point was that they, they, they haven't aimed very high no. with, their, with their commentary team. I mean, they, they clearly haven't spent that much money on it because it would have taken that much to get some of these people. It's a Premier League um, soccer some, commentator, some of them, is it? I've never barely heard of some of them, to be mm-hmm. honest, and I'm not sure how much they know about golf. Um, I must admit, I, I, Jerry Foltz, the, the, the guy they've got from the golf channel, I've always quite enjoyed him. Mm. He's pretty good, but he's he's not exactly high profile. I mean, he, I think he won on the Corn Ferry Tour once 15 years ago or whatever. But um, they, they, it's interesting, do you think, that they they haven't aimed higher and spent some money on a Nick Faldo or a Johnny Miller or that, that kind of guy? Do people turn on the golf for commentators or for players? Well, yeah, I know what you're saying. Part, I don't think. I know what you're saying. I don't know. Almost a little bit like... It's a bit Keystone Cops. I mean, I'll be interested to hear the commentary. Whoever, as long as they don't have that South African bloke that was doing the Olympics, if he turns up, he's not on the list, is he? I'm out. If he's on the list, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm done. So that would ruin it, wouldn't it? I don't know. I I want bad commentary, but I don't want. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's right. Your good bad commentary. It is interesting. I I don't know. I would imagine they didn't give it that much thought. It would have been a last minute thing. Yeah. Uh, and they'd it's, have been. You're right. The, look, the production. I just thought, well, they haven't aimed high. No, they They're haven't. Very high with this. I wonder if anybody knocked them back. I wonder if they approached a Nance or a Faldo. Yeah, yeah. of them said no. Well, they went. They did. Well, they don't aim low in other places, do they? they went after Nicholas. Mm, exactly. Him. That's that's my point. It's, it's it's uncharacteristic. Yeah. Of them to 
to go, you know, take the cheap option if you like. It, given that the whole thing's supposed to be about how they publicise, <laughs> you're actually yeah. quite right. I wonder if we'll be seeing ads for the Saudi beaches during the coverage. This is supposed to be the point of the whole thing. Yeah, this is P- your this is your theory. Well, no, isn't no, no, no. This is the they've announced that they're looking post, at a world post oil beyond oil, yeah. and that they want to become a modern tourist driven economy. Mm-hmm. That Saudi Arabia has a lot to offer. I don't doubt that they do. You've been there, Huggy. I'm sure that there's some. Beautiful places in Saudi Arabia. I mean, it would be easier to just stop the human the rights stuff. That, yeah, that's right. The, the been, university compound. You've been that in Huggy the du- you've been in the yeah. dome. <laughs> that's, yes, yeah. that's locked off. If there are, I haven't seen any of them. Put it that way. No, but but so that that's supposedly the ultimate goal is they're looking beyond oil. They've done the calculations. So for all of those you know people out there who say, "Oh, well, we've got to keep digging up oil and coal," well, the people who own it all are telling you that they're looking at a world beyond that. So it is going to run out. <laughs> we know that. So prepare for it. That's supposedly what it's about. I still don't see them getting around. I, I, I think that the sports washing idea is a last century idea that no longer has merit. I don't think it works. I don't think it's worked in this case. No. Um, I don't see it. I see it all getting normal, but I don't ever see it in the same way that we do a lot of business with China, but it doesn't, it doesn't cover up there human rights abuses, we just shrug and don't care. That's the truth of it. <laughs> That's the ultimate truth of it. So for all the pontificating that we all like to do about being on the right moral side, push comes to shove, the truth is that we don't. So I, just, I think that's a, you know, I, I don't see that as, it certainly hasn't been effective in the golf. I don't know about other sports, but it hasn't been effective in golf. There's barely been a day that Eamon Lynch hasn't ripped them for the. Yeah, I mean, under, under the heading of if you've got enough money, you can get anything that, mm. The uh, Sky Sports in the UK, uh, which has a you know covers the PGA Tour and the and the European Tour every week, uh, we're running ads for this tournament, uh, the Live Tournament, uh, in between the golf coverage they, the last couple of weeks. They contacted us so, uh, as a podcast. When was it before the Saudi event? Not the one just gone that you were at. Right. Previous one, I got an email from their marketing people in London somewhere saying, "Look, we're interested in placing." ads on as many golf podcasts, whatever as we can, can you send us a rate card and, and let us know what it would cost? So, What was your reaction? Yeah, what's your quote? <laughs> I, I, I deleted it. <laughs> what else would my reaction be? Um, yeah, well, I just wondered. No, no, look, I, and I didn't give it any consideration, but I thought it was interesting that that was a point. Now, they didn't come back around this year. Obviously, they gave up on that as possibly a marketing strategy. Uh, but, yeah, that's exactly right. And Sky Sports is not going to say no to large sums of money as an entity to put things on television. And in some ways, well, should they? Is it Sky Sports' job to censor? To no, Saudi no, I, 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 and, no. And, you know, I mean, the the, the argument that, the, you know, there's two guys uh, commentate for Sky who are actually on the board of the DP World Tour, right. um, you know, to be fair to them, I'm sure it isn't in their contracts that they have to um, talk down the LIV uh, golf. Um, they, they never met the, you know, it's quite obvious that they never mention it. But it, I thought it was, it's just, as I say, it becomes under the heading of if you've got enough money, you can buy anything. Because mm. Sky are actually advertising the competition. Yeah. Well, one interesting aspect of this is that we may see golf with very minimal uh, advertising. If, if you just own the whole thing, Inclu- including sort of paying for the coverage to occur, 
do you really need does you know does the uh, network need to be selling ads on it? Not or the anything? prices they were trying to sell the tickets for. They don't need to sell ads. That's no. an outrageous. It's seventeen thousand dollars. You could walk inside the ropes with the players and have beers with them. That's weird, isn't it? Because they're not well, in it to make a profit out of that. Like why? They're, they're trying. There's to, got to be some other trying to suggest they're a premium product. And somebody has oh, said okay. at the last minute. Listen, when this place is empty and the TV cameras go on on Thursday, it's going to be very embarrassing. How about we get all the players to give away a hundred tickets each, and then we'll give away as many as we can at the local schools as well, so that there's at least somebody on the grounds when the TV coverage comes up because it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. Speaking speaking of the advertising, close to home for you guys, is there not a, an Australian player in the field who could be wandering around this week with a Golf Australia logo on his shirt? Uh, if Travis, he, so if Travis, Travis Smythe got announced. Yeah. Well, he he finished second in the uh, international series event, which was one of the um, criteria to get a start. He is part of the Golf Australia squad. Wears the Golf Australia logo wherever he goes. So not a big deal in the world of golf. But no. it does tell you how deep these things go. You would wonder whether Golf Australia will have some concerns about that. Yeah. Will they ask him not to wear the logo? Well, he's required to wear it, isn't he, for the deal that he has with Golf Australia? I would assume so. I'm not but then the details of it. But if you're playing in this PGL, I, I, I think you wear what you're told to wear. They're going to be. I, I, I'm not, I can't, again. I can't wait to see what these teams are going to be. Whether yeah, it's going to be like uniforms, it be like the Wiggles with red, green, blue, and you know, well, something like well, that. Well, do the players give up all of their independent sponsorships with apparel? That's about as original thinking as they're going to come up with. I think is, is these colours. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, they're going to look like the, the people who look after kids at holiday camps. Yeah, yeah <laughs> probably. They'll, they might even have lollipop ladies at the fairway crossings with yeah. the stop go sign or lollipop uh, people. I don't. Rec- I, I meant to go and look for the photo but i did read two years ago when dustin johnson won saudi arabia oh, yeah, he, he didn't time, have the rbc he did on. not have the rbc logo on his shirt yeah. which is intriguing because somebody else on twitter had posted uh, a transcript of a panel discussion that included one of the governors of the rbc talking about doing business in saudi arabia and why it was important even though it might not have been particularly palatable to a lot of people so there's an awful lot of hypocrisy going on not least of it being that most the, Sa- the saudis own a fairly large stake of fedex Really? Yeah. Pretty sure, yeah. Oh, wow. I got they own a lot of Uber. Twitter, uh, different Saudi Arabian contingent that owns a big chunk of Twitter, mm-hmm. not the not the prince. But, yes, there's – well, Saudis, they've got – they invest. They invest in stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so look. That's Saudis doing Saudi things. Saudis doing – yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what are you expecting this week, Huggy? I, I can't imagine being there because none of it's going to be about the golf. None of it. Nobody gives a rat's who shoots what, do they? No. I mean, the, the, the next couple of days are going to be weird because I'm going to be wandering around there and there's not going to be basically anybody else there. A few my fellow journals and that's it. Yeah. It's going to be a weird experience, I think. Be, like back to COVID times where the, there's nobody there. And the, the interesting thing for me is how many people pitch up on Thursday morning to yeah. watch this. Because as you say, the who wins and loses is the least interesting aspect of this ironically um it just it just doesn't matter does it i mean to to, to the spectator i mean it matters to the players because there's four million dollars going to go to the winner and he finishes last going to get one hundred twenty thousand, and probably more because there's a few amateurs in the field um they and they won't get any money so um are they playing as amateurs that's yeah, well, they're billed as amateurs at the moment. Oh, okay. so whether they turn pro between now and then, 
is up to them. Because you well uh, uh, under existing rules, you've got to announce it before you tee up on Thursday, don't you? If you're intending to turn professional, right. but who knows? Yeah. Here's the other question: Who knows what rules these tournaments are going to be played under? You'd assume they just go with the rules of golf as we know them for this first yeah. or the first lot. But there's no nothing to say they have to. They can do whatever and they sl- want. Slugger White's doing the rules, isn't and it? It's maybe uh, maybe. Yeah, yes, that's true. Yeah, it's maybe a bit unfair as well. I mean, I haven't seen the golf course yet, but um, the reports I have heard are, are not. It's not that exciting. So it's it's a kind of black golf course by the sound of it. But you know, who knows? That remains to be seen. So. Well, they're level pegging with the tour in one way. In the yeah. <laughs> Huggy, uh, in some ways, I'm envious of you being over there, and in other ways, I. I think your head will be spinning all week. Oh, it's the, bizarre, seat the, the most <laughs> bizarre golf event. You'll be able to always say, you'll be like one of those 5,000 people that saw um, Sarah's and Hole out at the Masters. <laughs> you will actually be yeah. one of the ones who was on the ground when it uh, when it happened, when it started. So Yeah, yeah. I, I added to my list of Doug Sanders missing the putties and Andrews Lee Trivino chipping in at Muirfield. And the first Saudi event. First Saudi the, event. The Centurion Club. What? You were at the first Dubai event as well, weren't you, Huggy? You, you played I in wasn't, it. no. No, oh, I okay. was right. still living in America at that point. You were there when Moses was chipping out the tablets, weren't you? Was that <laughs> was, was that part uh, of the, the deal back then? Yes. Yeah, that, that was just before the Last Supper, wasn't it? <laughs> That's exactly was he using, Did he have a persimmon? Uh, like, <laughs> he, was u- he was using proper yeah. tools back yeah. when it was hard to carve letters into stone <laughs> yeah, right. when, we, when you really yes. had to be good. Wielding a mashy niblet. Yeah, wielding a mashy niblet. Well, Huggy, I think that we've kept you long enough, mate. I, I, I will be watching with some interest um, because there's just so much stuff at stake here. And as I said, it's nothing to do with the golf. Uh, are we able to bet on this, do you know? Yeah, well, you certainly you can bet anything in Britain. So yeah, um, I would imagine I'm sure so, yeah. you can do the same in Australia. So. Well, I've got to do tips for the magazine later. <laughs> I've got to do some tips. you got a tip, Huggy. How's Adrian Otaigi playing? Is he a chance to win this week? Um, Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Travis Small. I, Travis Small. If, I was, if I was a betting man, I'd bet on Dustin Johnson. Although, Louis although uh, it re- they really could get lucky and one of the very lesser-known players might just get up and that would be an amazing story. Yeah. Well, Go- Norman said that. You know, he, Golfer he, wins he, lottery. He was, one the few sensible things he said was that mm. he was cheering for a, a complete unknown to win and have life-changing money. Well, so. you can't help but have the fleeting thought that if that's what the if that's what they want, then that's what could happen, can you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing, to, well, nothing to stop them <laughs> orchestrating the result however well, they want. So. What are you suggesting? Yes. Good luck to everybody. Huggy, been great great to catch up, mate. Thank you. I, I, I hope your COVID cough leaves you sooner than yes, later. Yes, um, I apologise for that. No, it's, no, no, uh, no. It's, no. It's, it's, uh, it's stuck with me. I've, I'm just a week away from being under the weather, so it's, it's lingering. Enjoy, mate. I'm sure we'll, we'll look out for your work on Twitter, and I'm sure we'll exchange messages as the week goes on. But uh, this will be a lovely entree to the main meal next week of Phil turning up at Brookline. Mm. Oh, which yes. will be a clown show of epic proportions. Yeah. So that'll be uh, that'll be fabulous. Thanks for your time, Huggy. Great to catch up. My pleasure, Logue. I'm not sure we went anywhere there. We circled around and did a lot of. That was a, that was a lot of fun. Around, but yeah. it was all a good bit of sport. Thank you for your input today. Thanks very much, Rod. That's uh, episode 110 of the Good Good Golf Pod. That's two episodes, two weeks in a row. How good are we going? We'll have to go again next week. I'd love to do a US Open 
preview podcast. Yes, so definitely. Talk definitely. a little bit about Bookline yeah. or something, and then we'll get Gillis on after that. Gillis. Gillis is coming. Hang out for Gillis. Gillis is good. Episode 110 in the books. We'll see you on episode 111 of the Good Good Golf Podcast.